Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey friends, so today we have a few really interesting listener submissions to talk about from people who are struggling with topics related to work, how we balance our work life and our personal life, how we make sense of our identity at work and outside of work, and if those are different or the same, and how we keep our jobs from just honestly pulling apart at the seams of our sanity. Uh, So no matter what you do or where you are in your career, Every single person I know struggles with this stuff in some way. Nobody has this down pat. No one has it perfect. And I'm willing to bet that you're going to relate to something that you hear in this episode. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Starting with our first listener question. Aubrey, I'm struggling with the question of how to live in both the gratitude I have for a good job with nice, fun people working in social justice and having great benefits and a good salary, but also resenting that I have to work in an office when really I want to be getting up every day and going to a studio to make art and have an assistant to do all my sales, social media, packing and shipping, etc. And at the same time, really blocked to making any sort of move toward the latter. Because what if I'm actually no good at art? The big loss for me would be that I lose that fantasy. And without that fantasy, I don't know how I would get through the day to day. Holy crap, do I love this letter. I love it. It's so good. Because I feel like what you're describing is such a, I guess not universal, but such a common experience. It's something that I have coaching clients, you know, bring to me all the time. You're describing having a good job. And like better than good enough, better than like the standard okay job, like a good job. You have colleagues that you like, you have good benefits, you're paid well, you have a mission that you connect with. I mean, you're saying you're working in social justice, but still your soul longs for something else, something different. And in your case, something really specific that you can picture, you know, tangibly in your mind. How many of us feel this way? I'm willing to bet there is someone listening to this who is on their commute to or from their job, who is, you know, thinking about having to go to their job tomorrow, who is literally sitting in their desk at their job listening to this while they, you know, do a task that is like semi-mindless and who is nodding along because this is them. And I know that because I have felt this way too. I mean, at all different points along my career, there have been moments where this has rung true for me, 
where this has resonated. And as I read it, I connect with pieces of this. And so that's what tells me and just my conversations I've had with other people and you know what I've heard from people in all parts of my life, not just my coaching clients, it tells me that you are not alone. And so I want you to know that, you know, to the person who wrote this letter and who I hope is listening and hearing this, you aren't alone. And I think it's also important to remember that this is not something that folks are always willing to be forthcoming about. I mean, we're hearing about it right now on a, you know, a platform where people can submit questions anonymously. And so I think that's kind of telling, right? That, you know, this, is a, this isn't something that's easy to admit when you value the job that you're in. And when you're not in a place where you're like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. This job is, you know, terrible or stupid or not serving me at all. Because what you're describing here and what I think a lot of people feel is like, no, I value my job. There are things that I get out of it, things that are good. But I'm like longing for more and for a very specific more in the case of this person. And so that can be scary. It can be scary to name that. So that's one piece. Now, what hits me really hard in your letter and, you know, I feel like every letter has, you know, one or two lines like this that, you know, really stick out as if they are literally like flashing bright red. And in this letter, this is the section that does that for me. So you say, what if I'm no good at art? The big loss for me would be that I lose that fantasy. And without that fantasy, I don't know how I would get through the day to day. I'm going to read that last part one more time. Without that fantasy... I don't know how I would get through the day-to-day. So what you're telling us here is that this idea of you pursuing a career in art, which you are currently experiencing as a fantasy, is something that is not currently in the cards or based in reality, but it is a dream for you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the word here to dream because... To me, fantasy implies that it could never happen or that it's out of the realm of possibility and dream while it feels still like reaching or like you'd have to work for it or like it's not close to current reality. To me, dream feels more like this is something that if I nurture, it could happen. So that's the word I'm going to use because I believe that if you nurture this, it could happen. Spoiler alert. So as I read this, what this tells me, you know, without that dream, I don't know how I would get through the day to day is that this dream is literally getting you through your life. It is getting you through your day-to-day. Having this dream is getting you through your life, and without this dream, you don't know how you would get through it. So anyone who's listening to this right now, I want you to take a second, and I want you to think about the thing that for you, if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be able to get through the day-to-day. What is the thing that keeps you going through the day-to-day? It might be, you know, a person or people. It might be, you know, a part of your identity. It might be a cause that you fight for. It might be your career. It might be, you know, a practice in your life. But what is that thing for you? The thing that, you know, if you lost it, you didn't, you wouldn't know how to get through the day-to-day. So now that if you're thinking about that thing, I want you to think about what you're doing to nurture it, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, um, again, like a practice, a part of your career, like how are you actively feeding that in your life? How are you prioritizing it or not? You know, because whatever it is, if you need it to get through the day, if you need it to get through your life, then what that thing is, is your life force. And maybe it's not the only one, 
but it is a life force for you. And so when I read this letter, we are speaking not about like, oh, a fun hobby that I might want to monetize. We're speaking about something that keeps a person going through life, something that keeps somebody moving forward and propels them through life. It is a life force. So now let's go back to that voice that's saying to you, what if I'm no good at art? So I, let's talk to that voice. Let's have a conversation because I actually want you to answer its question. What if you're no good at art? What does it mean? What would that mean for you to be no good at art? Does it mean that people don't like your art? Does it mean that you aren't making money or enough money off of your art? Does it mean that you don't have a certain number of followers on Instagram or you know, a certain number of people who are buying your art? Does it mean that art no longer feeds your soul? I'm going to ask that last one again. Does not being good at art mean that art no longer feeds your soul? Because right now I'm actually not interested in like the money or the popularity or the fame or the followers for you. What I am interested in is this fact that you seem to have a really clear picture of what your life could look like. I mean, you paint this clearly for us. You talk about... getting up and going to a studio every day. You talk about having a staff person. You talk about having an assistant who helps you with certain tasks, tasks of your business, like packing and shipping and social media and all of that stuff. You, you have a built out picture of what this business could look like for you, of what your day-to-day could look like. And listen, I'm not trying to discount you know, the importance of having a steady income and benefits and the many, many pros of having, you know, traditional or stable employment because that shit is real. It is real. And so to talk like, oh, just trash everything and, you know, dive headfirst into your art and fuck the consequences is unrealistic. And that comes from a place of immense privilege to even think about saying that. So I don't, that's not what I'm trying to suggest here. Um, And if you know me, then you know that I have a full-time job that I love and that I'm happy in and don't have an intention of leaving. But I also had to get honest with myself about how I was prioritizing, you know, my idea and dream of owning my own business, which I do. And, you know, to figure out how I could accomplish that within the, you know, financial framework that made sense for me and for my family within, you know, having this job that I love, having a career that I enjoy. And a lot of the things you describe here also, you know, coworkers I love deeply and, you know, good pay, good benefits, like a job that makes a ton of sense for me and where I feel like I'm growing and also figure out how to start and build and grow my business within that existing framework. Because me with no stability, just deciding to toss it all in favor of, you know, becoming a coach, that wasn't going to be sustainable for me. But, you know, what also wasn't going to be sustainable for me was living with this, you know, this fire burning inside of me telling me, you know, I was born to encourage others and knew that I wasn't fully living into my potential yet. That yes, this job I have is great and it lets me use skills that are important to me and that I've been developing over time and that there are opportunities for me to grow and there are amazing people that I work with. And still, I knew there was more I could be doing. I knew there were things that I could be doing to to really feed my soul and my 
you know, professional identity. And if I'm being all the way honest with you, I do not buy this story that, you know, your inner voice is telling you or the story that you're telling yourself that you are possibly no good at art. I don't buy it, not for a second. Because listen, like you and I both know, and you and I meaning you and I, (laughs) me and, you know, letter writer, and you and I, me and you listening to this right now, we know that art is an expression of what exists in your soul. That is what art is. And, you know, what is in this person's soul, letter writer, is ultimately hunger for creative expression and for meaning. Hunger for creative expression and meaning. That is what's in your soul. And that is what makes good art. Period. And listen, dude, I'm not saying that you have to quit your day job. I'm not. It sounds like it's great. It sounds like it has so many, you know, good things for you to lean into and enjoy and appreciate. And also, I'm saying that you must not give up on this dream. And I'm not calling it a fantasy anymore. I refuse because to me, fantasy suggests, again, it's unrealistic, which is bullshit because this vision is clear as day for you. You have a dream. It is not a fantasy. So what I'm saying is not that you have to quit your day job, but that you absolutely cannot give up this dream that actively is what sustains you and is your life force, that you need to follow that, that you owe it to yourself to pursue that and to find a way to bring that vision into focus. And I believe that you can do that. I absolutely believe it. Hey there, it's me, Aubrey. Do you like what you hear on the Ask Aubrey podcast and find yourself thinking about what it would be like to work with me directly, for me to weigh in on the things you're going through and help to support you through it on a path toward growth and wellness and self-worth? Well, you can hire me as your coach. I'm a certified life coach specializing in self-worth for women and queer people. I have a few slots open for life coaching clients in the new year. And I offer a totally free consultation, including a sample coaching session, so you can see what coaching is like and decide if it's right for you at no cost. If you're interested or even just curious, you can sign up for your free sample session at my website. That's aubreyhenderson.com. Let's talk. I can't wait to support you as you grow towards your goals and into your best and most gorgeous self. Okay, now for our next question, which comes from another listener who's experiencing a slightly different struggle at work. Aubrey, I'm having nightly panic attacks about how everywhere I turn at work, I'm met with toxicity and negativity. Everywhere I turn toward to try and get out either isn't sustainable or turns into a dead end. What do I do? Well, shit, that sounds awful. Um, The fact that you're having nightly panic attacks tells me that work stuff is triggering mental health stuff for you. And so, you know, initially I'm just wondering if you're receiving any kind of mental health support, whether that's from a doctor, a therapist, um, you know, some kind of support for your mental health here, which is clearly being compromised a little bit. And so, 
I hope you are, if it's accessible to you. Um, And again, for anyone who's listening, who's having trouble finding accessible mental health care, please reach out to me personally. All my contact stuff is in the episode and podcast descriptions. And if you reach out to me directly, we'll team up. We'll find you something. But um, yeah, I hope you're accessing that letter writer and that there's some kind of mental health support for you because, you know, if this is triggering panic attacks, that's some real shit. And, you know, my immediate reaction is that, you know, the fact that work stuff is keeping you up every night is not okay, nor is it sustainable. I feel like we all go through periods of higher stress, you know, in any job, it kind of ebbs and flows and that's totally normal. And, you know, depending on your industry, the norms could even be a little different than that. And, you know, it could be higher stress a little more often. Um, You don't tell me very much here in your note about your workplace, except that it sounds like a really um, tough spot to be in. And so for that, I'm really sorry. Um, that really sucks. And, you know, the words toxicity and negativity stick out to me here, of course. Um, you know, the people and culture of where we work make up so much of the experience. And so, you know, it can definitely be tough when those things aren't giving us what we need. Um, and when, you know, those things are a little off kilter for us. And so, um, I wonder if it's helpful uh, for me to tell you a little bit about me here, (laughs) Um, so I actually am pretty sensitive, pretty sensitive. And I tend to take things super personally at first blush. Um, I also tend to take responsibility for a ton of stuff that isn't actually my responsibility, uh, which are both qualities of an Enneagram two. Um, if anybody out there is an Enneagram two, um, give me a little shout out, uh, because, you know, I love to love to connect with people who share my unique, um, neuroses. We can bond over our childhood wounds, all that good stuff. I also feel like maybe I need to do an episode on the Enneagram because I'm sure there are some of you that are like, what the hell is she talking about? Anyway, so I'm pretty sensitive. I take things personally and um, take responsibility for things that aren't really my responsibility. And this is in all of my life. These are just, you know, traits of mine. And so, you know, basically what this can look like in my day to day is like, oh, that person's really cranky. So it must be something that I did to make them that way. Or, oh, that person doesn't like the lunch that they ordered. There's, you know, probably some way I could have prevented that from happening. Don't know how, you know, I probably could have intervened, but I didn't think of it in time. So this is my fault that they feel this way. Or, you know, another curse of being a natural empath is that I can walk into a room and immediately I can actually feel what people in that room are feeling without anyone saying a single word. Um, and so that can end that can end up meaning that, you know, I walk into a room full of angry people and I walk out of the room feeling angry, but for no good reason. Um, or worse, just with no idea why. Why am I angry? Whew, it's exhausting to even talk it through, y'all. Um, and so I've had to do a ton of my own work to kind of break those instinctual responses because I've learned quickly both like in my life, but especially at work that that shit will crush you in the real world. If you are a people pleaser, if you're somebody who, you know, takes responsibility for what other people are feeling, who, you know, if somebody's mad, it's like, oh shit, are they mad at me? Like I, and again, this is like, I feel like I can already see people nodding as they listen to this. Like that shit makes it really hard to move through life and to get things done because you are so often weighed down with the weight of responsibility for other people's experience. 
And we know that all we can control, all that we can solve for is us, the choices that we make. And of course, those are going to impact other people sometimes. You got to take accountability and ownership for that. But for the most part, what you can control is you. You can't control whether someone else is cranky or not. And so, you know, I had to, I had to work a lot to break those responses. And, you know, no matter where you work, um, you know, if you're around other people and you have boundaries that are, you know, a little too permeable, you are going to find that you will take on some shit that you don't want to take on. You know, if you have fluid boundaries, if you're moving into a space and you're taking responsibility for other people's feelings and you don't have your boundaries up, that, you know, you are going to find yourself absorbing other people's feelings and realities. And I wonder, I wonder if that's true for you, letter writer. I wonder if, you know, this could be especially true if you're finding yourself in a work environment that feels really negative or even toxic as you're describing and now because your note is shorter I don't um like I said I don't have a ton of detail I don't know if you're a fellow empath and people pleaser like me um but if you are the first step here is to really you know start building up some of those barriers because let's just be crystal clear the only person that you can keep from being negative or keep from being toxic is you and that is just that's just the truth And so, you know, it's really a pain in the ass. We have to work with people who are in different places in their own emotional intelligence and self-awareness journey. But, you know, that is what it is. Um, But ultimately, you have to remember that the only person whose emotions, feelings, you really have any level of control over is you. And so, you know, tactically what this looks like, I would say, you know, first focus in on the things that are actually preventing you from getting your job done. So, you know, this stuff is, you're saying that it's impacting you on an emotional level, that you're having nightly panic attacks about it. It's everywhere you turn. But I wonder, you know, I imagine if you're writing to me and if it's really giving you that much pause that there's probably shit going on here that's preventing you from getting your job done. And so if there are things happening where, you know, a person's negativity, their their toxic energy is keeping you from getting what you need to do your job and to function at work, then name those things. Approach those things in a straightforward way. Um, If someone is constantly complaining to you and it's getting in the way of you getting things done that you need to, getting information from them, you have to name that. And I don't know if it makes sense for you to do that directly with the person or people that you're thinking about here, with their boss, with your boss, whoever. But, you know, ultimately, um, if you're like focused on, you know, I need... I need information on X before I can do Y and -and so-and-so person hasn't given me that information yet. That's a tactical piece of information that you can act on, that you can really correct for and do something with. That's not about so-and-so is being negative or so-and-so is behaving in a way that feels toxic. That's like literally, no, I need this information to do my job. I need this person to follow through on this thing for me to do my job. And in their negativity, they're not doing it. So focusing on, since you're in a work setting, really what you need to do your job and what you're not getting and grounding yourself first in those things. Those are things that, you know, conceivably you can really do something about. Um, And then another question I have here is I, I do wonder if you've given folks feedback about, you know, what you're seeing about this, this negativity that you're feeling, Uh, because, you know, sometimes people complain and gripe just as an automatic response and they're doing it way more than they realize because it feels so automatic because it feels just so second nature um and you know giving direct feedback 
is also, you know, a way that we feel like we can, you know, if we have told someone something and they don't act on it, or if we've given feedback to somebody and they choose to ignore it, that also then can sometimes give us the permission to, you know, address it in a different way if we feel like we need to. So, you know, we might not think we can address something um, with somebody's manager if we haven't talked to the person themselves, which I agree with. I think it's always good if you can to go to the source. And so it might feel uncomfortable. I mean, that might that might be an uncomfortable thing to give somebody direct feedback, especially when it's constructive, especially when it's like, hey, you're showing up in a shitty negative way. Um, but often that direct and constructive feedback is actually like giving that person a gift because you're giving them information about themselves that they might not otherwise hear or get. Um, you know, you can be intentional about doing it in a way that is prioritizing the person's growth and giving them the opportunity to do something different or do something better. And this information can be really helpful to them in their growth as a person, as a professional, if they choose to utilize it. So, you know, telling people when their negative behavior is impacting you is really important. It's important for you to be able to say, like, I addressed it with this person. Like, I went directly to the source. I gave a person the direct feedback. Um, And so what they choose to do after that, the ball is in their court. They get to ultimately decide what they want to do with it. But if you aren't giving them the feedback in the first place, they can't do shit with it, actually. Ultimately, I I really think that you are going to have to recognize which pieces of this situation are really in your control and which ones are not in your control. So for example, you just can't directly control other people being negative or having toxic attitudes or behaviors. Um, You can share information, share feedback with those people, you know, allow them to get some insight into how that's impacting you. Um, You can create boundaries for yourself and what you're willing to accept. Uh, You can focus on the things that directly impact your work, your ability to get your work done and highlight those things and focus on those things first and foremost. Because after all, you are at a job, you have to be able to perform your job function. And so if you can't do that, you ultimately have a responsibility to highlight that. Um, You can share with people how their behavior is a barrier to you getting your work done. If you're unable to do your job because of this person, you have good reason to flag the issue. Um, Ultimately, I think you, again, have the responsibility to do that. Um, And, you know, if people are, are venting their negativity or their toxicity to you, give that person some feedback. See what they do about it. And if their response doesn't gel with your standards, then what you have to do there is create a firmer boundary. Man, I really hope this gets better soon. Um, Whatever has to happen for that to be the case. Um, Because ultimately, your mental health is non-negotiable. It is. Your mental health is non-negotiable. Your psychic energy, your ability to, you know, be at work and not necessarily have every day be happy and rainbows and sunshine and roses, but, you know, that that it feels sustainable for you, Um, that you're not having nightly panic attacks, that you're not feeling this sense of being trapped and like you have no way to turn, that you deserve much better than that. That's not how you deserve to feel. Um, You deserve a job that lets you sleep through the night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.